Oh shit, it's recording. All right. So I'll just take out the beginning. <laughs> What's it really? <laughs> Hell, maybe I'll leave this on there. Who knows? Whatever. Good to have a little bit of humor. Welcome back, you guys. This is Tom from the Progressive Mindset Podcast. I'm joined with my good friend Michael Schreiber once again. And uh today we have uh the topic of denial, and it's really about the current uh affairs with our uh, uh with our virus uh that's out there. So we're just going to kind of shoot from the cuff and have another conversation about it. Thanks always uh, for you guys listening. And please leave a uh, comment or review that helps us grow and, and get better. And uh, stay tuned. Subscribe while you'll be uh, um, sent with updates when we have new episodes out. Thanks again. So, Mike, thanks again for being here, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's be real <laughs> about what's going on. That's right. Let's just uh, let it loose for this podcast, man. No, 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 no worries or concerns. Yeah, Look, maybe, uh, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we both need it. Yeah. Uh, viewers might need it too. Um, it's hard to stay composed. I'll, I'll admit that. You know, you and I were just having a, a very non-therapist-y conversation. <laughs> I know. Uh, before you hit record or, or maybe you hit record too early. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but at any rate, um, People say authenticity is overrated, but uh, maybe it's not. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I, I just with everything that's been going on, um, I've, I've just been struck very, you know, very recently by the, you know, like you said, the current state of affairs and seeing that this virus has shifted from a health crisis to a political crisis. Somehow, somehow this has become a political crisis. I mean, folks are seeing, uh, this as, I don't know, I've been thinking about maybe being some, it's infringing on their civil rights in many ways. Um, and I, I didn't expect this to evolve this way. Um, and so it's been, it's been interesting to watch it evolve. And it's also been disturbing and, uh, just, you know, from my, just in my opinion, it's, it's been very disturbing, particularly with some of the issues that folks have with masks and wearing masks. And it made me start thinking about denial and how human beings are masters of denial and how we can, uh, we can turn something like this into a political issue when I, I don't see it as a political issue. I see it as a health issue. Um, I was struck by some videos that I saw last week of a, of a, a meeting uh, with, in Palm Beach, in fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw some recent videos coming out of Palm Beach or wherever it was. Was that something that maybe Trump posted then on accident or didn't view the whole video or something? <laughs> Well, there was that one. <laughs> there, there, there was that very disturbing one. There was the, the other disturbing one, uh, where, uh, there were a bunch of folks that went before the Palm Beach City Council to oh, complain, yes. complain right. about the, uh, mask, uh, regulations, um, which I found to be somewhat comical, but <laughs> equally disturbing and terrifying and frightening. And worrisome and sad. And, uh, it just got me thinking about how folks can just come up with this construct of denial and what is denial there for? What is, what is the purpose of it? It's to help you cope. It's to help you manage your anxiety. It's to help you survive, uh, to help you avoid discomfort. Um, and, uh, you know, that concept can be extremely dangerous if you're denying a, a reality. But that's the thing about reality. It's, it's totally subjective. Um, so anyway, I was just thinking about that and how denial is, uh, is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, denial's a hell of a drug. You you were right, man. Um, I just 
and I know we're talking about the mass thing, but it's not just the mass thing, um, but just the, the plausible deniability that there is this invisible thing out there, you know, potentially coming to get you. And uh, what bothered me so much, I think, with the mask. Now, I wear a mask when I go out, right? And the reason why I'm wearing the mask, uh, uh, number one, is that I want to, at least for my own anxiety, maintain some level of protection. I feel, whether it's protecting me or not, I don't know. I mean, but I have it and I feel like, you know, it's protecting me. And two, I, to kind of show the people that around me that are, or that are shopping, you know, I mean, I've only gone to like Publix, which is a supermarket down here in Florida or, or CVS or Walgreens, you know, just kind of show, Hey, you know what? I, I, I honor myself, but I also honor you. And so we're kind of in this thing together to kind of show the humanity and attention to, you know, my community members and I'm wearing the mask. You know, if for some reason I uh, am asymptomatic and I have it, if I have a cough or a sneeze, it's going to be kind of, you know, protected. And, you know, the studies coming out, I don't know how valid they are. I haven't really looked into them saying, you know, that by you wearing a mask, the chances go down. And by somebody else wearing a mask and you wearing a mask, the chances go down even lower of you potentially being exposed and contracting this. You know, so it just it just seems like it's a no brainer to go out and wear the mask. And I, you were talking about it before. Uh, um, it's just that it's not like you're wearing a hazmat suit out there. You're just putting on a piece of fabric. You know, everybody that's wearing it looks ridiculous. And so what? I mean, I remember seeing those uh, pictures um, or videos from China. You know, months and months ago seeing everybody wearing the mask. And I thought, man, I hope that that doesn't come to uh, our society. My wife and I were talking about it last night, like um, to, to see those on the news and then to see what happened in Italy. I, we had such a strong connection to America that we felt like, well, that's not going to happen here. Maybe that's ignorance or maybe that's just, you know, uh, uh, an increased level of, you know, pride and uh, of your country that we felt like, well, we were not that we're better than or that we're so far advanced, but I felt like we had enough warning that we had enough technology and enough resources that we can go ahead and protect ourselves. We can learn from what happened over there. We can send aid over to other countries and we can protect ourselves, you know, kind of the, you know, put the mask on yourself before you put it on your child in the aircraft type of thing. Let's protect ourselves. Let's, let's shield ourselves really well. And then let's help out those other countries in, uh, in need. And it has not been the case. It's been like the opposite of that. Right. Almost like that blissful ignorance of, you know, that's really not going to happen here. And you, you know what, maybe it's not really even an issue. And you know what, we're going to focus on some other things, you know, like the economy and, and, um, and, and, politics and the likes and then suddenly it just becomes this vicious thing running through our that has cost so that has created so much anxiety for the whole population which has made my services go up here which it that it, that's sort of a catch-22 because i i like being busy and i like helping people and i like that my pra practice is doing really well however i don't like see seeing people it, it, so that almost borderline crisis uh, state. Sure. Yeah. Of course, it's upsetting to. It's it's you know whenever anybody you know knocks on your door wanting help, it's not because they're everything's great. Um, and you know certainly you know one of the side effects of well, apparently a global crisis is increased business because people are disturbed and they're upset and they need help and. Uh, business, but we talked about it before, the whole point is to make ourselves obsolete so people don't need us anymore. You know, we want to heal people. Um, so when people are come to us in a harmed, injured state, our job is to heal them. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really astonishing. Uh, the, to deny reality 
is astonishing. Um, and we're seeing it right before our eyes. And I don't know that I, I, you know, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, you probably haven't. And, you know, it's true. I, you know, I often, right. look, to go back to the mask thing, I mean, they're not fun to wear. I mean, they're annoying. They slip. They, you know, they're scratchy. Um, but when I had a longer beard, it made my beard look really weird. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, isn't that a small price to pay to protect somebody else? Even a stranger who we might not know and might not ever meet, but, you know, it speaks to a, a larger sensibility of unity and togetherness and closeness and attachment and care for your fellow man that maybe Americans just aren't that good at anymore. You know, maybe we've gotten away from that. Maybe, maybe we've never been that way to begin with. I don't know. Maybe for whatever reason, I don't know, over the last 10 years, 20 years, maybe even a little farther back, we've become a much more me-centric population. And so if this mask isn't going to directly help me, what do I need it for? Yeah. But, you know, as you can see in, in, uh, Eastern countries, like Asia, they've been doing the mask thing for a long time. You know, if you go down to Chinatown, like in New York City, if you go down to Chinatown, you'll see people, it, before the pandemic, you'll see people with masks on. And that means they don't feel well. It means they're sick. That means they're contagious. They've got a cold. They've got the flu. Yeah, they don't want to get anybody else sick. So they've been doing that for a long time, and so you have to wonder about the comparisons. Of, you know, what what is their cultural sensibilities versus ours? Yeah, they don't necessarily think of themselves as individual organisms. They 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 think of themselves as a small part of a much bigger animal. Right. And they have to do their part and they have to contribute and participate in this for the good of their, their, their family, the good of their town that they live in, the good of the city they live in, the good of the country they live in, the good of the, you know, their, the, the, the planet. They, they just, I think they see themselves and perceive themselves differently in that respect. Right. Which I'm not seeing here as much. And even before the pandemic, there, yeah. you know, I think I've seen a certain, uh, self-centeredness that's been very pervasive. Um, and I think, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost now. We are really seeing that in its fullest, uh, in its fullest form right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's terribly sad to see that and, and very frightening. To see that folks are willfully disobeying a pretty, a pretty reasonable request um, during a pandemic. All right, <laughs> so we're we're back. Um, you know what? I here's a thought. All right, well, let's look at how our American society was was formed and we're being oppressed. We're being held down. We're, we're being told what we need to do. And we fought against this oppression. We, we decided that we were going to separate ourselves and form our own thing, you know, uh, and not to get too far into that, but then, then let me bring it to the current, you know, uh, a state of our society. I mean, I think there is inherent in the veins of Americana, this, we do not want to be forced to do anything. We have rights and we want to uphold our rights and freedom. And we, we want that to be paramount. And so I think that this speaks to that in, in such a way that people are, even, even though rationally they could probably agree with and understand, hey, wearing the mask could help 
myself, my family and those around me and the people that I care about. But, um, but they're making a statement, you know, uh, I'm not wearing the mask because I'm being told I need to wear a mask and I'm being told what to do. And I don't, even just that little smidge, even though that's not hugely oppressive, but that little, what would be the next thing? Okay, now I'm going to be told I need to wear a mask and gloves. Now I'm going to be told I need to wear a mask, gloves, and I can't go out after 10 p.m., you know? And if I get caught on the beach, you know, when the be- the beaches are going to be closed and I can't get caught on the beach or else some negative consequences are happening. Oh, and then there was talk about martial law being in, uh, in initiated you know at at some point and i and maybe that wasn't about the protests or maybe it was i don't remember about shopping or something people want to but uh but regardless so anyway so that's kind of playing devil's advocate and maybe trying to see where the other side uh uh, is coming from that that maybe that's at work here you know i also think that uh people are terrified uh Nobody in this generation or the generation before, or even before that one, has gone through anything like this. And if we focus on these kinds of things, it's a perfect distraction. It's a wonderful distraction. Especially if the uncertainty of everything is so, so frightening and terrifying. We have to find a way of pushing that aside. And a beautiful way of doing that is to focus on some other thing, some other issue that we feel like we can have control over. I can control where I, whether I wear the mask or not. I can control whether I, uh, you know, capitulate. That I can control. I can control whether I comply or not comply. And maybe that's a way of feeling more in control. Maybe yeah. that's a way of feeling, uh, of, of Obtaining some kind of certainty or control power because you feel powerless and helpless. And maybe yeah. that's a way, you know, maybe if I go to that city council meeting and get on the microphone and gesticulate and maybe that will make me feel more in control. Sure. Here's another thought. Well, people are just freaking sick of it. <laughs> They're tired of it. Not not just wearing the mask, but just having this whole pandemic and following the news. And, you know, it's just like, I just want this thing to be over with. And you know what? Even though it's out there, I'm going to pretend like it's really not out there. I'm not I'm out of sight, out of mind. You know, I'm just going to put that in the closet for now because I don't want to deal with it. And I just want to get back. I think we all just really want to get back to living the kind of lives that we want to lead our normal every day, you know. <clears throat> we we basically live in a society where we kind of feel like we're somewhat safe. I mean, we don't have to wear armor or go out, you know, strapped with uh, guns and ammunition. I mean, we want to get back to working and then people being unemployed. That's another frustrating thing. And they, they want to get back to work. They want to make money for their families. They want everything to be, everything has been in complete upheaval. And, you know, I, I can't I just, this is, uh, um, and, and I, maybe it's mismanaged, uh, emotions, you know, maybe, um, people just need something to fight against, <laughs> not to, not to bring the whole, the, the protests and, and that, you know, black lives matter. Cause I think that that is important in its own right. And black lives are on fire. I agree. And then we need to spend some attention to that. And, and how do we make some positive changes moving forward um but uh but but just with the virus thing um people are just over it yeah which makes you really think um it would be interesting to be able to take a poll of those folks who are you know quote over it and to find out if any of them have lost family members and to find out how they have been impacted if they've been negatively impacted because if they had you would think that they would be on board with masks and on board with all the other precautions that you need to take and social distancing you know i i have to wonder if the folks that are railing against this are the ones that really have not been that impacted so 
they're kind of sitting at home and they're, they, you know, they want to go out. They want to get back to life because they really haven't been impacted by it. Yeah. So to them, what, why, what, what are they doing at home? They're, they're okay. We, I can go out. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Why can't I go out? You know, I wonder if, if that's part of it. They just haven't been sufficiently affected and impacted as much. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. It's difficult to figure out exactly what's going on here. Um, whether it's denial or, and, and when you think about it, what have you really been through over the last couple of months? You know, you get to stay home. You get to, <laughs> you get to watch Netflix. You get to have Wi-Fi. You, you know, you get to have a, a nice bed to sleep in. You get to be pretty comfortable. You could, you can still, even during the quarantine, you can still go out and get food. So nobody's really starving. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully you can wipe your butt if there's toilet paper on the shelves. Hey, there's, there's plenty of it now. I mean, look, we, yeah, there was this whole freak out about that. You can get toilet paper. You can get hand sanitizer. Yeah, hand sanitizer. No Clorox wipes, but hopefully those are the <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hey, um, I, I've bought can, those big cans of Lysol, you know? I got a bunch of those because I'm at the office, so we've been Lysoling everything down. But you know, at one point you couldn't. I mean, it was just like you know, yeah, nothing you could find any of that. That was much like, scarier back then. But you know, you, I, I just, I kind of keep wondering what is what's so bad about this. I, that's just what I keep wondering, and you know, I, I, I just haven't been as effective as a lot of other people. I still have my job. I. You know, don't know anybody that's really gotten very sick. I haven't lost anybody. Right. Um, I'm not behind on my rent. Um, you know, so things are okay for me. Um, so it hasn't been that bad. Has it gotten boring? Yeah, sometimes it's gotten a little boring. Um, has it gotten a little mundane? Yeah, it, it has. Um, but it's only been a couple of months. And so you just have to wonder, if this is how people are reacting and they haven't been directly affected by it and they can't cope, well, that really brings up a lot of, a lot of issues that, that I can't even quite articulate. What does that, what does that mean about us that we can't cope with a couple of months of boredom? You know, what does, what does that mean? Um, does it mean we're maybe a little spoiled? I think it might. You know, I think it might. Be. You know, if you haven't lost your, your your home, you haven't lost your job, you haven't lost anybody close to you, uh, you still got some money in the bank. I'm not sure there's much to complain about. I would I would suggest that people adapt, and it's taken a little bit of adjustment and adaptation. You know, I'm still going in a couple of days a week to my job, my job. I'm not thrilled about it because there's a you know, level of exposure there. Um, but I've, I've come to terms with it. And I'm thankful that I was granted three days to work from home. I, I'm very grateful. And I've been focusing on being grateful for what I have because it's a lot more than some other people. Even though I'm not, even though I don't necessarily know those people, I know that they're out there and they're suffering. And, and, and I'm going to respect them, even though I don't know them. I'm going to respect them and respect that. And so I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to wash my hands and blah, 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 blah. And, all the rest and this of is why I do those things too. Because I'm in the same boat. My because, wife and I, we Because very a- easily, we could become those people very Absolutely. easily. Absolutely. Very easily. That's our fear. But I, I, my heart still bleeds for those who have suffered and lost loved ones, who have lost their jobs, who have lost their homes, their whole life, as we know, because of this virus. And, and for those people, I want to honor them and help wherever I can. And, uh, and at least if the, that's the least I can do is wear a mask when I'm out in public, then that's why I'm doing it. And it's not because I've uh, just, I'm abiding blindly to, you know, what 
some higher entity decrees you must do this and no um uh, it's practically doing nothing yeah it it feels like that to me it it almost feels like i'm doing nothing but i'm actually doing a lot by doing that and it's it's not too hard that's the thing it's just not too hard why you know you know does it violate i don't feel like my my civil rights are being violated and maybe that's what the anti-maskers would or or would be worried about and point out that hey you know you're not you're not you know that it's not making you want you should be more uncomfortable with this maybe we should be you know we were talking before you hit record maybe we should be maybe they know something we don't maybe uh, this is uh, maybe we should be more upset about this maybe we're too complacent maybe we um we're too obedient maybe we accept our you know, civil rights being infringed upon and we just don't know it right and that's where i yeah before we record i was talking my wife had actually found that uh article about the 1918 pandemic the spanish flu and uh they were being forced to wear masks and most most of the country was okay and they were and in fact it was like a a really porous gauze mask you know like didn't really offer much protection but there was this group that were you know, I don't remember where they were called, but the anti-maskers. And it was about, you know, being their civil liberties really being, you know, um, being affected by being forced to wear these masks. And they were, you know, protests and, and meetings about it and, you know, what they were going to do about it. And then there was um, a police force that was, you know, basically, you know, coming with with thunderous, you know, punishments against the uh, anti-maskers at the at the time so maybe there is some merit to that that maybe we should be more you know opposed to it you're violating our our our, our civil rights our civil liberties or you know um and if like i was talking about before if this what would be the next thing you know i don't know if you can make that leap but yeah i i think that that's what they're worried about that if we accept this, then what is the next thing? But there are lots of things that we accept um, for the greater good that we don't complain about. I mean, you know, I've, we, there have been some comparisons to wearing seatbelts and wearing helmets if you're on a motorcycle or a bike. Um, you know, if you're wearing, a, you know, why why are there laws for not wearing your helmet on a, on a motorcycle if i don't want if i want to take that risk shouldn't i be allowed to take that risk is does not wearing a mask affect you could it potentially affect you i had this conversation with my wife last weekend and she was kind of like well you know what if you don't wear a helmet and you get into an accident you may need medical attention and that medical attention is a resource that you are now utilizing mm-hmm. that could have otherwise been avoided if you simply just worn a helmet. So that's a good it, point. It's a, it's an excellent point. I yeah. can't argue with it. It's difficult yeah. to argue with because we were kind of like, well, okay, so if somebody doesn't wear a mask and they get coronavirus, should they be refused a ventilator if they need one? Right. I mean, no, no, no not they at can't all. Be. They they shouldn't be. They can't be because. People make mistakes, and uh, they should, and and they should be punished by a death for that. Right. Um. So, uh, the, you know, I don't know that there's any real right answer here, but it's an interesting um, analogy. You know, like the seatbelt law. If I don't wear a seatbelt, who am I hurting? If yeah. I want to take that risk on, then I then I am only hurting myself. But am I? Am I really only hurting myself? I don't know. What about, you know, the, the protests that are going on, the folks that are not wearing masks who are protesting? Yeah. What what should we do about that? Do we give out citations for not wearing a mask? What if you have thousands of people protesting not wearing masks? Can, can police give citations to thousands of people? Probably not. No. So what do you do in that case? I mean, I was watching CNN last night, and, you know, they brought up that exact, you know, what, you know, 
what do you do? Why, you know, wh- how come, why haven't we been harder on the protesters who are not wearing masks, who are gathering in huge groups? Droves, yeah. What, what, what are, what is law enforcement supposed to do? It, how do you enforce that? Um, it's very difficult. I mean, I, I, you know, I was watching, um, uh, Chris Cuomo last night, um, and he was on with, uh, I don't know, mayor of Iowa, something like that. And, um, you know, he was talking about that, that this is really more of a, a personal decision and it should be left as a personal decision. Um, otherwise you get big government involved and you make government get people in line and there's some danger in that. And I can see that. I can definitely see that. But, you know, where is the line there? Um, when you have people that are being willfully disobedient, um, that puts everybody else at risk. What do you do then? Um, you know, and I don't think there are any real easy answers. I remember like a philosophy class, man, where we were talking about the social contract. This is years ago, but I always, I always liked the philosophy classes, the social contract and how there's this unsigned, but it's just, we agree upon it that we're going to engage in this social contract, which is uh, um, stating that I, I'm going to be, you know, kind and respectful uh, to you. And I'm going to live my life the way that I, that I want to, where it doesn't infringe on your rights so that you can live the life that you want to and, and, and other things. But basically that I'm going to agree to abide by rules and laws that we kind of set forth because I want to be safe and protected. And I want my family to be safe and protected. I don't have to agree with the laws, but I'm agreeing to sign this social contract to abide by them because, um, uh, I want to have the opportunity to live the kind of life that I want. I don't want to have to be in complete anarchy and things being upheaval. I don't want to have to worry about getting food or getting resources. Uh, I just want, I want my life to, to be comfortable the way, you know, that it is. And so, uh, I'm abiding, but I guess you get where I'm going with, uh, with all that. And so that unspoken social contract and now it's seeming like, uh, and this is the scary part for me, is the every man for himself type of thing, and the the two the polarizing nature of this thing, and then the politics, which you started talking about at the very top of this thing, um, becoming involved, um, is uh, is the most disturbing piece for me. That, that these different sides, when I'd rather see us join together and find some common ground, and and how do we make a new social contract that we're going to agree to abide by because we want things to be normal. And maybe part of it is that we just, we, we wear our masks because we're protecting ourselves and we're protecting other people. You know, maybe we don't, if we see 10 people are already in Walgreens, maybe we wait in our car for a little while longer until those people go out. Maybe we can still protest and give our views, but maybe we do it in a more uh, carefully thought out, you know, uh, where we have some distance between us and, you know, we're not causing. uh... Uh, Anyway, yeah, I'm just trying off, but. Yeah, Um, yeah. Weird times, weird times we live in. It's it's a lot to process, you know, even. You know, even for folks like us, uh, who are supposed to have it all together. That's heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if this is the, you know, cross-hatching with so many different things happening. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough to just kind of make sense of all of it. And we have, you know, for the most part, some shit together. But as far as this stuff goes, we, then that's why I, I like that this podcast was us just kind of being real and just shoot from the hip about it. You know, I'm not agreeing with either side, really, just kind of let's just talk about it and have a conversation. You know? Well, and that's part of the problem that it's difficult for people to 
conversations now. I think everybody's trying to win the argument. Yeah. And that in and of itself becomes more important than just being real and, and having a conversation that I need to prove that I'm right about this and make sure that you agree with that to a fault. Yeah. It's a problem when you'd rather be right than be happy. That's a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely deserves conversation. careful consideration and, and listening. And maybe it's tough to ask that of people right now. Maybe they're compromised, you know, maybe they're just emotionally compromised right now. Uh, you know, I'm trying to have empathy for folks who I disagree with so vehemently. It's very difficult to have empathy for them and to try and understand them and to see it through their eyes. And so that's why I started thinking about, you know, what's underlying this behavior? What's underlying this, these theories that these folks have about masks and, you know, lots of other things? What, what's underlying it? Um, I, I'm trying to get a handle on that because that, I think that helps me to not reject other people and not dislike other people and not categorize them or condemn them if I'm trying to understand them. If I if I give up on trying to understand somebody else who disagrees with me, then it makes it so much easier to dismiss them or hurt them, uh, which is sure. just further divides us. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I, I recommend other people try and, and do that too. Um, and man is a challenge. Yeah. But you know what? At least we, uh, you know, are trained in being able to meet people where they're at. So maybe we have a yeah, yeah. hand in that regard, but it's still. I'll tell you. I'll tell you I've had some, some sessions with some folks um, where I, I don't, I, I think it lapsed into being non therapeutic right. for them. Because your own biases were coming out, and and uh, and it's it's interesting because there's and uh, I know you had a thought uh, about it, but uh, just how our own biases like cause that like visceral reaction, you know, and especially when I have people who are maybe saying some judgmental racist statements, and it it becomes very challenging for me to be therapeutic and and not put that other hat on and be like well you know have you thought about but anyway continue your thought i'm sorry no that you illustrated it perfectly i mean that's what i've been going through uh you know, to an extent with a couple a couple of sessions here and there it's been uh hard for me not to reveal my own personal political views on certain things social or otherwise uh it's been difficult because i feel strongly about those things uh, and usually i think i'm pretty good at uh reserving uh judgment and it's masking them <laughs> yeah and masking them yeah uh, uh so that's been much more difficult for me uh, just because I think just, you know, things are so intense right now. Um, and so it's, it, that's been a challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Me too. I'm with you. And it's not just, you know, it's, it's, it's just everything, just it's politics, especially. And, uh, um, it's been challenging. And I, I not opposed to any side. I agree. I'm open. Uh, I don't feel like I cling to one or the other, really. I mean, and maybe some of my views are more on, on one side than, than the other, but I can see valid arguments and valid points, and, and I'm willing to listen, and I, I'm willing to try to understand from somebody else's uh, perspective, especially if there's a, a, a solid 
logical reason behind it, but just coming out with the devout, I'm this way because I live in Florida and it's Vero Beach and we're conservative and we're Republican and this is how we need to go. And there's no, there's no oomph behind it. There's no reason or logic as to why they're feeling that way. They're just almost blindly following that this is, this is, this is where I've chosen to. Right. These are my marching orders and uh, I cannot deviate from them. And ironically, isn't that more uh, oppressive than being told to wear a mask? Unless you agree with the marching orders, unless you benefit from falling in line. Yeah. Yeah, I've been reflecting a lot. I've definitely been watching more news, uh, maybe maybe a little too much. <laughs> it's what what is that uh, phrase? I'm Karen. I've been joking about it. Is it is it doomsday scrolling or death sc- scrolling or? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. What does that mean? I think people that are just looking at all the horrific things that have been happening, especially in regards in regards to the virus and politics and protests and stuff that they're just, you know, nonstop just scrolling through. And Well, I have to confess that it's probably doing, I didn't realize there was a name for it. Now that I know that there's a, there's a label for it. Well, it's, it's, maybe it's I'll just do it more. <laughs> It's it's really that um, Schadenfreude, you know, or that that kind of weird, dark human desire to see harm come to other people, or to see other people in pain or suffering, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, or a version yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I, I hate to, you know, I love George Collins, comedian. Uh, yeah, of course, dead now, but. Uh, he was, he was really right on about a lot of things and very, very authentic about a lot of things. And, you know, he was kind of talking about how some of these awful things that you see happen, um, you know, these natural disasters, they're great entertainment. And that's a hard thing to admit. Uh. Um, and maybe part of that is true. If it's not happening to you, it's entertaining. If it's happening to you, Maybe not so entertaining. Yeah. Um, but if it's not happening to you, maybe it's, it's occupying, it's appealing, it's fascinating, it's interesting, it's entertaining. Um, and maybe that, that, that you know, that's the, the Schadenfreude too. Um, yeah. maybe that's part of it. There's some enjoyment in this. It's exciting. It, uh, it's stimulating. It provokes. Emotion. Yeah. It's definitely different, huh? <laughs> yeah. Definitely different living uh today. I mean so wild in comparison to just last year. Just think about where we were a year ago. Think about where we were six months ago. Six months ago even, yeah, you're right. You know. Uh, I remember where I was uh, prior to the, the pandemic. You know, I remember, I remember those good old days. The good old days, man. When I wasn't, when I wasn't worried about contracting <laughs> a fatal illness. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I've grown up a lot in these last six months. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, you know, we're living in interesting times, and uh, you know that denial is. Is thick, and yeah. real, and um, it's scary sometimes how folks can just very easily deny reality. Yeah, yeah. I, I once had a uh, conversation with a, a veteran patient of mine, and uh, we were having a conversation about reality, about your reality, my reality, and what. The ob- objective reality is, uh-huh. and if it's he was saying if it's your reality, then that is reality. 
There is no objective reality. It's just yeah. how it's just your perception. Yeah, that's all we have. Our oh, own yeah. unique perception of it. There's nothing outside of that. It's real. It's only how you perceive it. I, I like that. That's uh, that's some wisdom right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you can get very philosophical with it. You know, is this is this really a phone? Is it a phone? Maybe it's not a phone. I think it's a phone. Do you think it's a phone? If we agree on that, it's a phone. Then, therefore, yeah. Right. It's it's a it's it's what we agree on. Sure. What do we we could we could say it was a pocket computer. <laughs> That's... What if we agree on something that is not what it is, though? Yeah, that's a that's a kind of a big problem. That would be a big problem because then we would be dis, dis disrupting the fabric of all the people that agree it's the other thing. Yeah, and I think you're seeing the clash of that. Yeah, um, you know, right now. And it goes even beyond the folks that um, don't want to wear masks. It goes beyond that. Um, you know, when you have diametrically opposed viewpoints, um, you have conflict. Yeah. Well, like you call this a phone, and I call it a pocket computer. You know, who's right, who's wrong? You can still do the exact same things with it. Um, yes, yes. But when, you know, when I think this is a phone and you think it's, you know, a microwave oven. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. It's a phone that occasionally cooks shit. <laughs> <laughs> they will. One day they will. You'll see. Yeah, you'll you'll right. see. Um, but, you know, I don't think that that disparity has ever been so stark that people feel so differently about things, so opposite, um, and getting on the same page with each other is so difficult right now. Yeah. Um, it's problematic. It's, it's, it's incredibly problematic. Yeah. And that's why it's so, you know, why empathy is such an underutilized tool. Yeah. Because it's the answer. I think it's the answer. Yeah. So that's a better place to put our energy into is being empathetic for our families, for our uh, friends, colleagues, our community members, the people around us, because arguing over this phone versus microwave oven debate, you know, is, is misplaced energy. And so if we, what, that's the real question. Where do we, where do we put our time and energy? Cause this is distracting from what's going on. This is occupying and, and maybe being empathetic or putting in that empathy or, or compassion to the people who are suffering and how we can help and support um, and how we can make some positive changes, how we can join together. How can we agree? How can we recreate the new normal? and the new social contract for, you know, the rest of 2020 and 2021, maybe that's where we should focus our energy and attention. Uh, no, I think that's, that's still pretty very, big anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, I think it's, you know, you put it you know, very, very succinctly right there. Um, you know, how, how, do, how do we do that? How, you know, how do we get together on something? How do we, how do we agree to disagree? Yeah. Um, how do we coexist? <clears throat> I, I have friends, very dear friends of mine, who have extremely different, you know, political views and political affiliations, um, that I really disagree with wholeheartedly. Um, that could be hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah. It could be hard to navigate, but we do it. Somehow we do it. Most of the time we do it by just avoiding talking about those issues. But there's still plenty of stuff to talk about. There's still plenty of things to connect on. And one-on-one, -on -one, it's much different. Yeah, I can have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with a friend of mine who has very different political views. When it's more than one-on-one, -on -one, though, now you got a problem. 
then it's it's much more difficult to hear oh, one yeah. another. Right. Because um, the openness is sort of out the window, at least from the people who have the dominating viewpoint, you know, who are in higher numbers. Yeah, there's also ego involved too. Um, you need to save face. Sure. Yeah. Um, you're worried about what others might think of you. Right. Nobody wants to be labeled a traitor. Yeah. Um, and people, people attach very strongly to their beliefs. Yeah. Some people, you know, some people, maybe we don't need to. Maybe we don't have to do that. Maybe there's, maybe we could be more flexible. Maybe we should all be more flexible. Well, this being a political year has not helped <laughs> the situation. Yes. Uh, that In our country, is, you know. It's factoring into all of this. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a big blender full of trash that's been blended up into a godforsaken smoothie <laughs> that we're all drinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like I imagine putting strawberries... And coconut milk and marbles in there, and yeah. you know. throw a couple of cat turds in there. Cat too. shit, yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, as long as we have protein powder in it, I think we'll be good. Well, well, we could maybe we could end there, but I, I want to talk to you about some protein powder stuff. All right, health, health worker celebration that usually signifies the end of uh, another. Fun-filled episode. Fun-filled. The bigger question, the most important question, what the hell do we call this episode? <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's, I think it's going to be something like uh, the Jerry Seinfeld uh, show, you know, comedians in cars getting coffee. It's like therapists complaining. <laughs> yeah. <something. laughs> All right. That's a, that's a place to start. All right. Well, once again, thank you guys for uh, joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this uh, podcast and we're looking forward to having you for the next ones. Take care.